The gospel of Christ is the good news. It is the best news. It is the most essential news that the world can ever hear and must hear. But have, you, have you ever asked the question, what happens if someone doesn't hear it? What if somebody does not get a chance to hear the good news, the gospel preached? We often ask this question when it comes to mission work. What about those who are still uncontacted even today? Some of the tribes in places like the Amazon or in India or Malaysia, there are still, I think, uh, estimates between 100 and 200 different tribes of people, human souls, who are still uncontacted, who basically lived lives to themselves. What about them, we might ask? What if they never get a chance to hear the gospel? Will they still be accountable to God? I believe that the Bible answers this very clearly. We're going to look at that uh, in just a moment. I want us to think about an important question regarding that here in just a little bit. But first, we want to talk about the fact that we are all accountable to God. The Bible is very clear about this. Not only are we all universally accountable to God once we reach the age of account- accountability, but we're also individually accountable to God as well. Ezekiel chapter 18, if you will turn there please, Ezekiel chapter 18 in our Old Testament is a passage that perhaps we don't read as often as we should, but it's a really good one and it teaches a very, very important principle about our accountability. And it answers these questions. Are all men universally accountable to God? And are all men individually accountable to God? This text will answer both of those. And so uh, the T in TULIP, the idea of total hereditary depravity, this is probably the best text in your Bible to go to that disproves that. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. But we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 18. We're going to begin reading in verse number 4. The uh, verses leading up to that, Ezekiel is told to uh, deal with a false proverb that uh, was common in uh, Israel, the idea that because the fathers had eaten sour grapes that the children's teeth would be set on edge. And while it is true that sometimes there are earthly consequences that children deal with because sins in uh, their their lineage uh, end up causing some consequences, they're not accountable. Uh, for their father's sins. And that's what this text is going to teach. So beginning in verse number 4, it says, Behold, all souls are mine. All souls belong to God. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. Well, if all souls belong to God, God will judge all souls. All souls are then universally accountable to God. Verse number 5 through 9, it says, But if a man is just... And does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, and covered the naked with clothing, if he has not exacted usury or uh, interest, Uh, nor has taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity 
and executed true judgment between man and man. If he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just. He shall surely live, says the Lord God. You know, this reminds me a lot of Psalm 15. In Psalm 15, the question is asked, who will abide in your tabernacle? Who will abide in your holy hill? And Psalm 15 answers that, those who live properly in God's sight. This is very similar, verses 5 through 9 here. But look at verse 10 and following. It says, if he begets a son, if the righteous begets a son who is a robber or a shedder of blood, who does any of these things and does none of those duties but has eaten on the mountains, that would be uh, in the high places where idolatry was taking place, or defiled his neighbor's wife, if he has oppressed the poor and needy, robbed by violence, not restored the pledge, lifted his eyes to the idols, or committed abomination, if he has exacted usury or taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. If he has done any of these things, of these uh, abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Well, it goes on in verse number 14. It says, If, however, he begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers but does not do likewise. So here you have a sinful father, but the son wants to, to do better. He wants to live righteously. Who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, has not oppressed anyone, nor withheld a pledge, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing, who has withdrawn his hand uh, from the poor and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgments and walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. And then verse 18, As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Verse 19, Yet you say, Why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right, and has kept all my statutes. And observe them. He shall surely live. And then verse number 20, we sometimes quote this one quite a bit. Verse 20, it says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. In other words, we are individually accountable before God. We are all universally, that is, every one of us is accountable before God, and at the individual level, we will all answer for the things that we have done in this life. Well, what about the one, then, who has never had the word preached to him? What about him? Well, there's more than one answer to this. Number one, number one answer is the creation itself screams that there is a creator. The creation itself screams that there is a, a creator that we are accountable to. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, in every nation, 
In every nation, people understand God's language, that he exists because of the evidence that abounds in his creation. Throughout the history of the world, people have always felt the need to do what? You think about it. What do people always find themselves inevitably doing? They worship something, don't they? Or they worship someone. Even the atheist who claims he does not, is it not the case he really worships the idea of atheism? Some of the uh, most intense evangelists you will ever meet are evangelists of atheism because they want to convert you to that, convert you to that belief system. And so even they worship the idea of atheism. Everywhere, everywhere throughout the history of the world, people have worshipped something. Why is that? Again, because we look at the creation and we know that there has to be a creator. Romans 1 also teaches this very same thing. Romans 1 verse 19 talks about what may be known of God is manifest. That is, it's very clearly seen. And then Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his, that is God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We're all without excuse. Sinners are without excuse because God exists and we see it all around us, the fact that he does. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, People from all nations, all nations, all tribes, all peoples, and all tongues will stand before the throne of God. And so again, universal as well as individual accountability. Number two, number two, why we know that all men, even the ones who didn't get to hear the gospel, are accountable to God is found in Romans chapter 10. If you would turn with me to Romans chapter 10, we're going to expound on this a bit, a little bit more in our next point. But Romans 10, verses 14 through 18. Romans 10, verses 14 through 18, says, How then shall they call on him? And what do we have to do to be saved? Call on the name of the Lord. And Acts twenty two sixteen tells us exactly how to do that. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, we're accountable to God. Every soul is accountable to God and needs the gospel preached to him. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Just a side note there, do you notice the connection between believing and obeying in those two verses? Same thing. They have not obeyed the gospel, uh, and who has believed our report? If you do believe, you will obey. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. You know, Colossians speaks to that. Colossians 1, verses, or verse 23, it talks about how we need to continue in faith, Grounded and steadfast, we should not be moved away from the hope of the gospel which we heard, 
which was preached to every creature under heaven. The gospel was preached to every creature under heaven of which Paul became a minister. There was a point in which everybody received the gospel. All the nations received it at some point in history in the time of the apostles. Are we carrying that same message today? Are we passing that torch, so to speak? Well, that brings us to number three, and that is Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why would he have said that if it didn't apply to the entire world? You see, the gospel is for all, as we sometimes sing. Why is that the case? Why must we go and preach the gospel to every creature? Well, because Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way to salvation. We've already established the fact that we're all accountable to God. Our sins make us stand guilty before God. Genesis chapter 3, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Romans 3, 23, and Romans 6, 23. Our sins, if not atoned for, would make us stand guilty before God. So what is the solution to this problem called sin? Jesus Christ. And the following seven verses will suffice to show us that. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God for salvation. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 23 and 24, But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, that is, saved, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that is, the sin offering, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 5, verse 9, And having been perfected, he, that is Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And finally, Acts 4, verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, except for Jesus Christ. Only through him, through his name, can we be saved. Well, finally, tonight I want us to talk about that question that we mentioned earlier. We're going to ask a question as it pertains to what we've been talking about tonight. And the question is this, do you hear the Macedonian call? Do you hear the Macedonian call? You know, we often sing this in a song called Send the Light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Brother Mosier, one of our instructors in preaching school, he used to tell us that it's good to sing it that way, but he said, sometimes I prefer to sing it this way, take the light. And what he meant by that was it's good to send missionaries along with our financial contributions and what have you, and it's also to put the onus upon ourselves to go and take the light ourselves. Do you hear the Macedonian call. That song says, There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless wave. You know, you think about the restless waves. You ever been to the beach? You know that those waves are restless because they keep coming. 
and coming and coming, and they do not stop. And so across the waves, there are nations all across this globe that need the gospel. There's a call comes ringing or the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. It's the second verse of this song that I really want us to hone in on. And it says, we have heard the Macedonian call today. Where does that line in the song come from? You would turn with me to Acts chapter 16. As we get ready to wrap up this evening, I want us to go to Acts chapter 16, and we'll look at verses 6 through 10. Acts chapter 16, we'll look at verses 6 through 10. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, that is Asia Minor. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them there either. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Have you heard the Macedonian call? Do you hear it? Hopefully, we think about the countless souls across the seas. Hopefully, we think about them truly as souls that matter and are accountable to God. What about that question that we asked at the beginning? What about those who have not had a chance to even hear the gospel? Those who are uncontacted in India and the Amazon and in other places like that, Malaysia. What about them? Are they accountable to God and subject to the gospel? Again, we've answered that tonight. Yes, they are. If not, again, why would Jesus say, go to preach the gospel to every creature? Mark 16, verse 15. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse number 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus will be with us as we answer the Macedonian call. Sometimes when I talk about this in, in a Bible class or what have you, and certainly this is a question I've always wondered about, what about somebody who's never heard the gospel? Think about it this way. If ignorance of the words of Christ are an excuse, if not having heard the word of Christ, if that's an excuse, then by all means don't preach it to me. Because if you preach it to me and then I reject it, then according to that theory, then I'm accountable when prior I was not. 
You see, it, it doesn't logically add up. Therefore, we must preach the gospel to all. Well, someone says, well, what if that person in the tribe who has never been contacted, what if he's living justly like we read about in Ezekiel chapter 20 earlier, but just doesn't get a chance to hear it? Well, again, he's got to hear the gospel. Have you heard the Macedonian call? This is just my opinion, this last part, but my belief when it comes to someone like that, just as we read in Acts 16 a little earlier, what did Paul see a vision of in the night? Someone pleading, come help us, come help us. And what did we say from Romans chapter 1 and Psalm 19? The heavens declare the glory of God, and we are all without excuse because we look at this world, the creation, and we see there must be a creator. Some people worship the creature rather than the creator, but regardless, we know there's some, someone to be worshipped. We're accountable to that fact. Acts chapter 8, there was a man, the Ethiopian eunuch, and he wanted to know the truth, and what did God make sure he had? He had Philip, and Philip told him the truth. My opinion is that if there's someone like that, and he truly, upon reflecting that there must be a creator, my opinion is that God, through his providence, will send someone along. And that's where we come in. You see, we need to take the gospel. Because, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That means the treasure of the gospel is preached by men. God wants us to preach the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Romans 10, verse 15. Do you hear the Macedonian call? Will you answer the Macedonian call? By the way, you don't have to go very far to find Macedonia because Macedonia is right outside the walls of this building. We need to preach the gospel. We need to look for souls who, upon hearing God's truth, hopefully will obey the gospel that we preach.